Well, good morning, church, and welcome to week six of a series that we've been working through called Deeper. And if you've missed the first five parts, well, you've missed out, but, but basically this series has been moving through a word that God gave us as a church and as individuals in the church, that in 2022, we're not called to simply stay in the shallows of our faith where we just kind of, you know, believe in God, attend church once in a while, do our thing, but that we're actually called to step out of the shallows into a place where we trust God, where we rely on God, where we believe in God, not just for salvation, but for every aspect of our lives. And so through this series, we've really been working through a couple core ideas so far. We've talked about why we need to go deeper, what the deep looks like, and how God loves us so much that he sent his son so that he could have a relationship with us. And we've talked about some of the struggles that we face in going deeper, some of the draw to return to where we once were, the storms that will try and convince us, yeah, this storm's so bad, Jesus isn't here when Jesus is still in the boat with you. And last week, Spencer brought a fantastic message. If you missed it, you're going to want to check it out. Uh, Just on restoration and how God wants to bring us into the deep because he wants to restore us. It's that Psalm 23 idea of he leads me into green pastures and beside still waters and he restores my soul. This idea that if we want to receive the restoration God has for us, we need to be willing to let him lead But, you know, this whole series has been kind of building up to this message. And we have two more parts after this coming up. But this message really is kind of the linchpin, the key. If you want to go deeper in your faith, this is kind of the key on how to actually accomplish that and receive what God has for us in the deep. Because you see, as we were prepping this series and, and praying about topics and, and, and all the, you know, nuances that go into prepping a series that we have multiple speakers speaking at, um, one of the things that God told me is that he doesn't want us to just preach a series that's a bunch of feel-good messages about, we're going deeper, yay, and then that's it. He didn't want us to do that without actually getting to the core of what going deeper requires. Because you see, it's easy for us to talk about going deep in God, but... If it's just talk, then what's the point? It's easiest for us to say we're going deeper in 2022, but if we stay in the shallows, clutching onto the lies that we've believed about ourselves and about what is true, clutching to the thing, holding on to the things that are in our past that have hurt us or the things that we think we need, if we just stay in the shallows and never truly trust God, then we'll never receive what he has for us in the deep. Because you see, the deep on an intrinsic level requires faith. It requires trust. It requires a willingness to say, God, it doesn't matter what happens in my life. It doesn't matter what storms come into my life. It doesn't matter what you say and tell me I should do. If you say it, I will trust you first. See, it's easy for us to just say that we're going deeper and that we want to go deeper. But for at the same time for us to just hold on to the things that we used to trust, 
and to miss what God wants to do in us. So I want to talk to you this morning on this idea that the deep requires faith. And now as, as we get started, though, I want to be clear about something because the word faith is a very Christian word that can be used in a lot of different contexts. And when we're talking about faith this morning, we're not talking about saving faith, which is the faith that when you believe in Jesus and you believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, that you are saved from the consequences of your sin. That is important, but that's shallow level faith. That's the beginning steps of faith. What we're talking about is actually a deeper level faith, a belief that you believe that God can do what he says he will do, that he will do what he says he will do, and that he will fulfill his promises in your life. For instance, it's easy to just believe, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross, yay, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, that's great, it's important. But it's a whole different level of faith that requires a different level of faith to believe that God is good and that he loves you when everything in your life is bad. It takes a deeper level of faith to believe that God will work all things out for your good, as he says in Romans 8, when nothing in your life is good. It takes a different level of faith to trust God when he says, give, and you're like, God, I don't have any money. When he says, quit your job, and you're like, but go where? And he's like, just trust me. It takes a different level of faith to move across countries and, and, and across continents in trusting God. Just like, God told me to do it. So I'm going to do it. And so if we want to get out of the shallows, and if we want to go into the deep and into the depths of everything that God has for us, we need to start going deeper in our faith. We need to start trusting God on a deeper level. You know, there's this tragic story in Matthew 13 where we find Jesus, he comes to his hometown, to the, to the town of Nazareth, and he's teaching in their synagogue. He's teaching them. And the people are like, wow, this guy's great. And he's performing miracles. Like, wow, wait a second. Where did this man get this wisdom and these deeds of power? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these? And they took offense at him. And the next verse is one of the most tragic verses in the Bible, in my opinion. Because it says, and he did not do many deeds of power there because of their unbelief. And this is one of the most tragic verses in the Bible because we see the Son of God, all-powerful, all-knowing, can do whatever he wants. He is being limited in what he can do and what he wants to do in this city because they don't believe him. You know, one of the most tragic things you can do in your life is limit what God wants to do in you and through you because you don't trust him. Matthew 17, Jesus gives us an example of the kind of faith that he's calling us to have and Context is that the, the disciples have just, they were trying to cast this demon out of a child and they failed. And then Jesus walks up and he's like, be gone! And the demon's just, boom, gone. And they come to him privately later and they're like, Jesus, what, what, what did we do wrong? What, what's going on here? And why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus says, because of your little faith. 
For I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And some context, a mustard seed in antiquity was considered the smallest seed known to man. And our science obviously has found smaller seeds, but if we throw up the picture, that kind of gives you a scope of how small a mustard seed is. It's tiny. If I were to hold it here on stage, you'd be like, is his are his fingers just stuck together? Like, what's going on? It's tiny. Just an eensy, teensy little bit of faith can move mountains. And, and the idea of moving mountains, that was this colloquial phrase that meant to do what is, seems impossible. And so what Jesus is saying in this moment is, if you will trust me, even just a little bit, nothing will be impossible for you. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a believer who just believes in Jesus and goes to heaven. That's great. That's important. But I want to be someone who has so much faith that when God says something will happen, that I just, I'm like, okay. Okay. I trust you, God. I don't know how that's going to happen. I trust you. God says he'll heal. All right. Trust you, God. God says he'll restore. All right. I don't see how this is going to happen, but I trust you, God. God says, go here and do this. So I'm going to trust him. I want to be someone who follows Jesus and every day is like, God, it doesn't matter what comes my way today because I'm all in. No matter what you say to me, if you say go, I'll go. If you say do this, I'll do it. If you say give, I'll give. It doesn't matter what you say to me because I trust you first. But you see, the challenge of faith is that there are a number of things that work against us in our lives in order to try and convince us that God isn't trustworthy and that it's really just safer in the shallows. These things that try to keep us in the shallow end out of the depths of everything that God has for us. In Mark 9, we find a fascinating story of a father who has this sick, sick son. And the son has a demon in him, and, and, and the father is doing everything in his power to save his son's life, and he's desperate. And by the time we pick up in this story, we find that the father has tried everything. He's done everything he can, and nothing has worked. And finally, he comes to Jesus. And, and the story goes that Jesus, he's walking up with three of his disciples. They've just been up on a mountain, and they, he comes down the mountain, and he comes towards the rest of his disciples, and he finds the rest of his disciples, the nine, they're arguing with some scribes. And there's this big crowd around them, and I, imagine, I just imagine it like there's almost a riot breaking out. Like people are like picking sides, like, no, you, no, I don't know. It's not what the story says, but anyways, the, Jesus walks up, and he's like, what are you arguing about? But before anyone can say anything, the father comes forward and he says in verse 17, Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down. And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. It's a father in a desperate place. Jesus, I came to your disciples. I came to you and it failed. 
In the next passage, we always read this wrong. He answered them, you faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And you know, if you read that passage and you think Jesus is admonishing the father, maybe you have the wrong view of God. Because what hap- what's happening in this moment, the scholars say, based on the original language, that the father comes, Jesus, your disciples couldn't save the boy. And Jesus turns from the father to his disciples you faithless generation. How much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? It's the idea of I gave you all the tools you needed to deal with this. Why couldn't you do it? And he turns back to the father. Bring the boy to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how, much lo- how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It often has cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you are able, anything is possible. All things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, in this tough situation, any of us who have ever dealt with a tough time where a loved one is going through something difficult can probably relate to what this father's feeling. It's a situation where the father is desperate to save his son. He's desperate to do something. He's desperate to find a solution. And every time he's tried, it's just come up empty. It's the same reaction I think most of us have, I know I have, whenever I deal with something or someone I love is hurting. A couple years ago, when my wife and I were just dating before we got engaged, my wife went through this dark season of depression and anxiety. And the entire time through that season, I was just desperate. Like, what can I do? Can I solve it? I just wished I could take it away, could just take the depression, take the anxiety away, and just fix everything. And that's where we find this father. He's desperate. If you can do something, please save my son. Just if, pretty please. And Jesus responds, if? If? Anything is possible if you believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? You see, so many Christians claim to believe that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and always present. We claim that God is all-powerful, and yet any time a problem rises up in our life, we act as if God is weak, powerless, and doesn't care about us. We claim God is all-powerful and he loves me so much, but any time a problem comes up, we're like, eh, I don't know. Is he really that powerful? And we're like, God, help me. And he says, I know you want me to take you out of that storm, but will you continue to walk through that dark valley with me? Because I'm not leaving you. You might feel like I left you, but I'm not leaving you. Will you trust me in the process? And we're like, eh, no. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Okay. Did this to a young man in Matthew, uh, I believe it's 19, rich young ruler. I'll do anything to get to heaven. Okay, sell all your possessions. 
God, that's too much. Do you trust me? No. And we want God to do something powerful in us and through us, but we are unwilling to actually trust him enough to go into the deep where it looks scary, where it looks dangerous, and receive what he has for us. It's these things that become stumbling blocks in our lives that that make us start to act like this father. Desperate, hesitant, uncertain, scared to approach Jesus because what if he fails me? And so if we want to start to go deep in our faith, we need to start to learn to deal with some of the things that will try to stop us from going deep in our faith. And the first thing we need to learn to deal with if we want to go deep with God is doubt. Verse 22, the Father says, if you are able. If you are able, that's doubt. See, doubt is the thoughts that creep into our heads. It's like, I want to trust God in the deep, but is God really good? Will God really help in the situation? Can he really help in the situation? Does he even care enough about little old me to help me? Is God really powerful enough? Does God care about me? Does God really have a plan for me? These thoughts try to make us see God and doubt him. These thoughts that really reflect what we see in Matthew 4 when Jesus is being tempted by the devil. And the devil takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple and he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off this, off this temple for, for it is written, God said that he will catch you and your foot will not dash against a stone. And Jesus responds, well, it's also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. But the devil in that moment, he was trying to convince Jesus to sow doubt into Jesus' mind, to convince him that he would only be able to trust in God if God proved himself first. And so often, this is how we as Christians live. We're like, God, I trust you. God's like, will you do this? Well, you have to prove yourself first. Because he hasn't been already? Is it not enough that he died on the cross and saved you from your sins? Like, God, no, you need to... You need to prove yourself. And it's these thoughts that really the enemy starts to sow under our minds to try and convince us that the shore is safer because the enemy knows that if he can get you to doubt God, you will never fully give yourself to him. And so we say, God, I'm going deeper, but we put our trust not in God, but in our safety net. And the whole theme of, you know, water, going deeper, we decide, I'm going to put my faith, I don't even know if this is going to fit me, there we go. God, I'll go deeper! Because it's okay, I got my safety net. See, the lie of doubt is what if. What if God fails me? What if this happens? You know, when I was a bit younger, I always thought that 
I was a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I loved roller coasters and whatnot, and I thought that going skydiving would be the greatest thing in the world, but the only thing really that held me back at that time was, uh, well, you know, young adults, money, skydiving is expensive. And now that I'm a bit older, the only thing that's holding me back, well, I, I mean, it's still, I'd rather not spend money on skydiving. Second thing that's holding me back is the fact that the last few times I've been on a roller coaster, I've come off so nauseous, I'm like, oh, that's horrible. I'm never going to do this again. But the third thing, the biggest thing, is the what ifs. What if I put my trust in this parachute and it fails? What if I just jump out of a plane and I'm like, yes, this is going to save me, and then I just plummet and die? What if I put my trust in something and it fails me? See, this is the trap of doubt. Doubt will try and convince us, what if God won't do what he said he will do? Which leads to distrust. God can't or won't do what he said he will do. Which eventually ends up in dread. Because I gotta trust my own thing. If I'm going to go into deep water where my feet are not touching the ground or where my head is not above water, well, I better have my life vest because I doubt that God will protect me there. And the reality is that doubt is caused because we have too small of a view of God. It's usually we put him in a box, or religion has put him in a box, and we think God can do X, but he can't do Y. But the reality is that God is not limited by anything you believe. The only thing that limits God is his character, who he is. So when the Bible tells us that God is a loving, just father, that means he will not act out of character of being a loving, just father. But if you want God to do something in your life, your belief will prevent him from doing it sometimes. So when God says give, and we're like, ah, I don't have the finances, God's like, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Because believe me, my streets are paved with gold. You don't need to worry about money. Will you trust me? See, it's not wrong to have doubts, but it's wrong to let those doubts control your life. And if doubts are now controlling your life, maybe you're not worshiping God, maybe you're just worshiping your doubts. And the promise we have throughout Scripture is that when God calls you to something or he promises you something, it will always happen. He will always provide. You don't need to doubt. But what we have to do to get through these doubts is we have to be willing to say, God, you know, you know this is difficult. You know that I doubt you, but I'm just going to lay it aside and trust you fully. But you see, this is the first tactic that we see. First thing that tries to keep us from everything that God has for us. But the second thing that tries to keep us from going deeper with God, from having faith in God, is disappointment. Verse 18, the father says, I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. And then just four verses later, he's like, if you are able, let's doubt, fueled by disappointment. See, disappointment 
is the moments where you had the faith, where you prayed the prayers, where you trusted God and nothing happened. Where it feels like God didn't come through for you, where it feels like God just didn't answer your prayers the way you expected or, 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 or that he just abandoned you. It's the prayers you prayed for your father's healing and then he died. It's the prayers you prayed for the restoration of your relationship and the spouse still left. It's the prayers that, that you ha- prayed that God would provide for you when you gave of your time and of your money and, and the bills just keep racking up and your time just gets keep, keeps getting eaten up and you don't know what to do. It's the feeling that we all experience when we pray and the answer doesn't come immediately or the answer doesn't come the way we expect And often we get stuck dealing with disappointment, which then limits us from receiving what God has for us because we're like, oh, he didn't do it before, so why would he do it now? See, the lie of disappointment is God can't or God won't. It's this lie that tells us, well, God didn't do it before. Why would he do it now? See, the reality is that in this space, our disappointment starts to frame how we see God. And then our disappointment becomes this weight that we start to carry. That then starts to nag at us. Like if I'm in the shallows and my feet are on the ground, I have this weight, I'm fine. But if I step into the deep and God doesn't catch me, well, this weight's just going to pull me down and down and down, and then I'll just drown. This disappointment becomes a weight that tries to hinder what God can do in us, and and we still believe in him for salvation, but we often get sidelined because we're like, God didn't work the way I expected. And see, the trap is that over time, our disappointment will become discouragement. We go from, I wish he would have done this, to, oh, he will never do this, will he? And then, over time, it becomes distance. God didn't do it for me before. He's probably not going to do it now. So I just got to do it for myself. It becomes distance. And because of past situations, because of past hurts, because of prayers that went unanswered or prayers that weren't answered the way we expected, we suddenly stop turning to God when we need something. Stop turning to God when we have a problem. We stop turning to God on good days and on bad days. And our disappointment sidelines us from the destiny that God has for us. But you see, the reality is that the Bible never promises us that when we believe in God, our lives will suddenly be perfect. I wish it did, but it doesn't. You can check for yourself. But the promise we do have, Romans 8, 28, tells us God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Which is to say that if you are trusting him, if you are following him, if you are in a relationship with him, and you're listening to his voice, it doesn't matter what bad things come your way, he will work it for your good. And so the question you have to ask yourself is will you trust him in the process? 
Will you trust him in the midst of disappointment? Will you trust him even when you feel like you can't? See, it's not wrong to feel disappointed in God. It's wrong to allow that disappointment to create a distance between yourself and God and then to keep you from ever trusting God. So with our disappointments, sometimes we just have to take them and we have to give them to God. It's like, God, you know this weight I've been carrying. You know this burden. I asked you to do this and I feel like you failed me. But God, going to lay that down because I trust you no matter what. So we have doubt, we have disappointment, these two things that often try to keep us from receiving what God has for us in the deep. And the third thing that so often keeps us sidelined in the shadows or in the shallows is distraction. You know, verse 16 Jesus walks up to the crowd and he's like, what are you arguing about? And clearly there's some kind of crazy debate going on. It's significant enough that Mark is making mention of it. And when Jesus, but what's notable in this moment is when Jesus walks up, what are you arguing about? That's the moment that the father steps forward and he's like, please, save my son. The father is not distracted. He might be disappointed, he might doubt, but he is not distracted He's like, this is my last hope. And you know, I have to wonder how many of us would be like the father in that situation. Or how many of us would have gotten, gotten caught up in the argument, in the debate, and missed what Jesus could have done. How many of us are missing what God wants to do in our lives because we are too distracted by what's going on around us, or what's going on online, or the fact that people are sending me Facebook messages right now. You know, more often than I'd like to admit, when my wife comes home from work, she starts to talk about her day at work, which is, you know, normal. But more often than I'd like to admit, I'm on my phone trying to read something and listen to her at the same time. And it's been scientifically proven that multitasking is not possible. It's called split focusing, and it's actually terrible for your brain. But I digress. But more often than I'd like to admit, there'll come a point in the conversation where she'd be like, are you listening to me? I'm like, yeah. She'd be like, what did I just say? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm perfect. <laughs> this is an active struggle in our relationship. I'm sorry, dear. I love you. <laughs> But distractions are this idea of, I want to go deeper. But I'm just doing, too busy doing my own thing over here, God. I want to go deeper, but I'm distracted by what seems sexier or easier or simpler. By what seems convenient, pleasurable. Distracted by pointless controversies and debates. I'm distracted. Sometimes it's you're distracted by what God did last time. He gave you a word five years ago about what you're supposed to do, and you're so focused on what he told you then that you're missing. He's like, that's done. That's done. I'm trying to call you into a new thing, but you're missing what he's doing because you're distracted. See, the lie of distraction is this is more important. This is more important. I don't need God to solve this problem, or 
I'm happy with how deep I am now, or I've got my own solution to this thing, or just simply, I'm not even paying attention. And the trap of distraction is that distraction becomes dependence, which turns into detention. This is the cycle of addiction as well. Distraction, this is more important, turns into, I need this. Which leaves you in a place where you're stuck, where you don't want to be, where you're not paying attention to what God wants to do in your life. And the outcome of distraction is that we're always, we just miss what God is doing. And the crazy thing with distractions, though, is not all distractions are bad. Some are. Some are self-destructive. We can be distracted by bad things, by greed, lust, addiction. But a lot of the things that distract us are actually good. Desire for comfort. S focusing on what God did before. The problem is that the enemy knows if he can keep you distracted, that he can keep you out of what God wants to do in your life. So we have to be willing to lay aside these distractions. Say, God, I'm listening. I trust you. See, the enemy knows if he can keep you distracted or disappointed or doubtful that he can keep you stuck in the shallows and keep you from receiving all that God wants to do in your life. So if we want to go deeper, we need to learn to deal with these things. We need to learn to trust God despite these things. You know, verse 22, the father says to Jesus, if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. And you know, in this moment, I don't think Jesus was trying to rebuke the father. It wasn't Jesus being like, how dare you think I can't do this? I am the son of God. Bradley's like, hey, it's not about my abilities. It's about your faith. It's not about what God can do. It's about your faith. And the man's response is so profound. And I think it really paints a picture of what we need to do anytime we want to go deeper, but we're struggling with doubt or disappointment or distractions. The Father says, help my unbelief. You see, it's natural not to believe. It's natural to lack faith, to feel abandoned by God when he doesn't answer a prayer. It's natural to feel doubt or disappointment or, or to be distracted, especially when God calls you to do something that feels impossible. It's natural when God says to do this, you're like, oh God, that's crazy. It's natural to doubt. But the question you have to ask yourself is not, do I have faith? But what am I putting my faith in? Am I putting my faith in God? Or in doubt? Am I putting my faith in God or in disappointment? Am I putting my faith in God or in my distractions? Am I putting my faith in God or in myself, in my abilities, in my possessions, in my family, in my relationships, in my career? Do I trust God first or my savings account first? And the reason that I keep bringing up money is because this is a big deal. People 
will trust, if they have thousands of dollars in the bank account, they will trust that money over God. And sometimes God calls people to radically give, not because he wants to take away what you have, but because he wants to test you. Do you trust me first? Life is easy or hard. What do I pursue? What do I rely on? Is it God or is it something else? See, it's easy for us to put our trust in ourselves, in our possessions, in others, in our abilities. But then the problem is that those things can cause us to miss what God wants to do in our life. And if you want to receive all that God has for you, the blessing he has for you, the provision he has for you, the restoration he has for you, everything that he's calling you to, that requires faith. The deep requires faith. It requires a willingness to trust God no matter what. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's counterintuitive, even when it seems stupid, even when others are like, ooh, really? requires a willingness to trust God that if he said it, he will do it. See, if you have faith in God, deep faith in God, when God tells you to do something, you'll do it. When God tells you to go somewhere, you'll go. When God tells you to give something, you'll give. When God tells you to do something that might just feel uncomfortable, go talk to that person, tell them about Jesus. Feels uncomfortable and unnatural, doesn't make sense, but if you're in the deep, you'll trust him. That maybe he knows more than you do. And maybe he wants to pull you out of your comfort zone to receive all he has for you. All things are possible if you believe. And the Father says, help my unbelief. And you know, that's a very telling statement. The Father is saying in this moment, Jesus, I'm trying. I'm trying, help me. And what I love is that Jesus' response wasn't, well, when you have a bit more faith, bring your son back. Then we'll think about it. No, it says, verse 25, he turns to the boy and he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he was able to stand. See, despite the father's little faith, Jesus healed his son and in the process taught us that his power is not dependent on having perfect faith. It's dependent on having that mustard seed of faith. It's a willingness to believe, a willingness to lay aside our doubt. Not that we don't have it, but that we're saying, I'm not letting this stop me. It's a willingness to lay aside our disappointment. Not that we don't have it, but I'm not going to let it stop me from receiving what God has for me. It's a willingness to put aside our distractions, some of which aren't even bad, but if they're keeping us from God, that we're laying them aside and turning to him. And it's a willingness to trust him first. And you know, if I'm honest, that's, it's really hard. See, there are things in my past and in my present, things that I'm like, ooh, is that possible? I don't, I don't see how God can do it. But, but day by day, I have to make the choice. Do I put my trust in myself 
and in my own abilities and in my circumstances? Or do I put my trust in God and his eternal power? Who do I trust? You know, earlier I mentioned a dark season in my relationship with my wife before we were married. Season of depression and anxiety that really, if I'm honest, it threatened to tear our relationship apart. It's trying to destroy our relationship. And if I'm honest, in that season, I 100% doubted God. I 100% was disappointed in God, and I was so distracted. I doubted God because I'm like, God, this seems impossible. This seems immovable. This is a mountain that I cannot move. God, I, there's nothing you can do, obviously. I was disappointed because I felt God had put us together for a reason. I was like, this is being torn away. And I was distracted trying to find a solution on my own. But it wasn't until I laid that aside and just knelt before God and said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe that you can. It was in that moment I laid aside the doubt, I laid aside the disappointment, I laid aside the distraction, and I just turned to God, I trust you. I trust you. See, it doesn't matter where you are in a situation. It might look impossible, but my wife and I stand as a testimony that God can do the impossible. You know, over last Sunday, last Wednesday, we, we were seeing people come up for prayer. And we've heard reports of people being healed. People who can move their leg that couldn't move their leg. Pain just disappearing. Cancer disappearing. See, God is not limited by anything but your belief. will you trust him? Will you trust him? God is calling you to do something profound or difficult. Will you trust him? See, this isn't something that's profound. It's just something that's really, really difficult. But it's worth it. Because the God of unlimited power wants to move in your life. It just takes belief like saying, God, help my unbelief. We're going to close here in a moment, but before we do, I want to give two opportunities for people in the room right now. First is for anyone who's in the room who has never made that decision to follow Jesus. You know, we've been talking throughout this series of this idea of the shore versus the shallows versus the deep. And the deep represents everything that God wants to do in your life, trusting him fully. The shallows represents where a lot of Christians stand, where we just believe in God, but, but that's it. And then the shore represents the people who haven't made that decision to follow Jesus. And so if you're here and you've never made that decision, but, but you're, standing there, you're sitting there and you're just saying, I, 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 I've never decided to follow Jesus, but I want to. This faith, this, ability, this power that God has, I want to receive that. I want to believe in Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. See, I believe that God has the power to change your life, to transform you, to make you a new person. God took me from being a liar, a cheater, a control freak who loved to just control everything, 
addicted to pornography. And he didn't make me perfect, but I'm progressing. And it's because of the power of God at work in my life. So if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, if I can just get everyone to just close your eyes and bow your head right now. No one looking around, this is a moment just between you and God. And if you're here and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, all I'm going to get you to do is I'm going to count to three and I just want you to slip up your hand and put it right back down. One, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same. Three, if you want to believe in Jesus, just slip up your hand and put it right back down. Come on, come on, come on. Yes, Jesus. You guys can open your eyes. I just want to say, people, uh, I saw your hands go up. Anybody who raised their hand. The Bible tells us that heaven is celebrating. God is just so excited because you are his child and he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you and you just made that decision to receive what he wants to give you. And if you made that decision, we would love to support you. We would love to help. I want to encourage you and Dan will mention this at the end as well, but I want to encourage you to tell the person you came with, don't do this walk of faith alone. We're also going to have a prayer team down at the front. And if you made that decision, I would love for you to connect with them because we want to pray with you. We want to give you resources and we want to help you. Second thing I want to do as we close, though, is for those of us who have made that decision to believe in Jesus and we want to trust God, but we're struggling because it's hard, it's difficult. And you're, maybe you're in a place where you're like, I don't trust God because I have all this doubt. I have all this disappointment. I'm so distracted, but I want to. And if you are here and you want to trust God more, to have more faith in God, to take that tangible step into the deep, we're not going to do anything profound or special because I, the reality is I can't force you to go deeper. But I'm going to make you do something that's a little awkward. Because you see, the first step of faith is to trust God over your own desires and your own needs and your own comfort level. So if you are here and you, you follow Jesus, but you want to go deeper, you want to have a deeper faith in God, to trust God fully, I want to invite you to stand with me right now. If you want to go deeper, if you can't stand, just slip your hand up. But if you want to go deeper and receive more and trust God more, just stand. Now I want to encourage you. If you're still seated because you're like, I'm going, I've already gone deep, that's great. But if that's you and you have that deep level of faith, I want to encourage you to, if you're comfortable, go and lay hands on somebody who's standing right now. If you and them are comfortable. And for those of you who are standing, again, if you're comfortable, lay hands on one another. And we just want to pray for one another in faith. See, church is not about just doing things on our own and then that's it. It's about community. It's about surrounding each other and supporting one another. That's why we have groups. That's why we do things. I just want to pray for us in faith because I believe God has something deeper, more for you. 
Father God, I just thank you for each and every person in this room who has made that decision to follow you, who's made that decision to say, God, I don't care what others think. I don't care what it looks like to others. I want to go deep. I want to trust you first. Father God, I pray that you will honor that decision. We know that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you are always there with us. And so I pray that as we go out into our daily lives, and as people and society and our thoughts and our doubts and our disappointment tries to convince us, no, 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 this isn't real. You don't need to think about this, God, that you will break those lies off of us. Remind us of your power. Remind us of your love. Reveal to us who, who you are and who, how you see us, God and help us as we try to take these steps of faith and trust you even when it's hard. Help us in our unbelief. Help us in our doubt. Help us in our disappointment. Help us to receive all that you have for us and to trust you fully. That we will not be a church who is stuck in the shallow end just waiting to go to heaven, but a church who is faithfully following everything you have for us, pursuing the life that you have promised us and the calling that you have given us, making a difference in this world. Father God, I pray this in your holy, holy, holy name.